0: Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
0: My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. And on today's episode, we continue on the Paul Verhoeven train with RoboCop. We run through what makes this satirical masterpiece so great, from its dynamite cast, to its incredible special effects, to its multifaceted social commentary.
1: Travis. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome to the show.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I don't know why you're pointing a gun at me. <laughs> I am Podcast Bot. We make no <laughs> mistakes. I like I like the that in the future I hope that robots still talk and function like robots like
1: very robotically but laugh give little like side laughs to comments That was not a laugh that was a malfunction oh. in my program no oh, uh we should probably fix you up here wouldn't you bend over here
0: <laughs> okay there we go all right now say something for me oh,
1: hey 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 hi there we go God we had to fix you. <laughs> yeah I you just woke I, up and you're in robot mode. Yeah, I've been broken for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like how at the very beginning of that everyone heard Chris by the way, great acting that was fantastic <laughs> pretending you, to man. be a, a Robocop right at the top of the show there. Um, but before that happens he always likes to count down. So it was like it was like you were powering up five four three two one and then you went
1: into robot mode. That's what it was. that's what it was. I was actually okay, I was actually mentally being like how do I be a robot and then forgot to count down.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, luckily you count down every time, which leads me to believe you might be a robot.
1: <sighs> you know, movies are math. <laughs> That's the subtitle of this show. I know. I have a lot of math to bring up in this
0: episode too. Movies are math, art is numbers, everything can be
1: tracked, formulated, and equated. Oh, yes i think every artist would agree yeah of course uh robocop i uh i was excited for this one yeah
0: i um i watched it recently because i think i bought the 4k i mean i've watched it within the last year i think Mm -hmm. um so there was a part of me that was just like oh like i like i kind of watched it recently i don't know if i really want to watch it again and then like I remember like, oh, wait, like it's the second I put in the 4K. I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait to watch this.
1: <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, I uh, I got the 4K recently, too. I wasn't sure what the difference was between the director's cut and the theatrical cut, but it's just it's gore. That's it.
0: Yeah. You just watch Murphy get blown up a little bit more.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I I saw this movie <laughs> when I was a kid because of the animated cartoon show that came out, there was, like, a Saturday morning RoboCop cartoon show. Do you remember this? Did you watch this? Um, I know it exists, and that's about as... That's
0: all I can really offer to that conversation because I didn't watch (laughs) Saturday morning cartoons. What? Oh, man.
1: So (laughs) I watched Pokemon. That was about it. Okay. I was watching from, like, an early, early age, like, as many cartoons as I I could (laughs) all the time. Uh, This only ran... The show from October 1st, 1988 to December 17th. That was it. I feel uh, like every time you look back at shows like this,
0: like old animated shows, that's all usually the case. Like they just pumped out a bunch of episodes all at once and they just keep reshowing them all the time.
1: Yeah, that was, they would be on TV every now and then. The thing for me, it says uh, on the Wikipedia page, in 1991, three episodes of the series were released. Uh, as VHS volumes that's what I had <laughs> oh so wow. I had a VHS tape with the RoboCop episodes that I thought was awesome and I would watch it all the time so I somehow convinced my parents because I liked the cartoon to rent me the movie mm-hmm. and I mean we're talking that VHS tape coming out in 1991 <laughs> so I was four years old at the time uh, which means that it, you know it had to have been around when I was like five, six, uh, that this was happening. So yeah. I watched Robocop for the first time when I was like five, six, seven years old, like in that range. Um, and I still remember being so weirded out by how different it was from the cartoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially the opening scene with Murphy, right? When he's just shot to ribbons. Yeah. Uh, What's interesting is that even though I've seen this movie a number of times since, in my mind, I still always imagine him being on the ground when they fire at him, rather than standing. So I have some false memory of when I first oh, wow. saw the movie. Yeah. That's, yeah,
0: is that is that have something to do with the theatrical cut?
1: I don't think so. I think okay. he is standing when it happens in like every cut but for some reason there's something with him being on the ground i think maybe i might be conflating it with uh who's the bad executive (laughs) not Uh, dick jones but the uh the other guy bob morton yeah bob uh what happens with bob where he's on the ground and gets shot yeah he's horizontal yeah he's horizontal but it's uh It's one of those things that's always, I've always had a strange relationship with because, you know, when you see it as a kid, you're overwhelmed by so much of the violent nature of it. Mm -hmm. But then I also just expected Robocop to just be Robocop from the the beginning. Yeah. So I still have this feeling of being like, where's Robocop? Where, where, where is he? I'm just expecting Robocop to be there. You're just Um, reminding me of how fucking awesome this movie is, that there's a build to RoboCop. Yeah. And then I was always kind of pissed as a kid because I would rewatch the movie a few times um, even before college where he didn't have his helmet on i always thought it was lame that he took his helmet off (laughs) Uh and that was one of those things where just the aesthetics of it i was like i want the helmet on and now as (laughs) you know a, a fully functioning adult person i understand not only for peter weller's sake why they don't have him in the helmet all the time but also the thematic reason for not having him in the helmet the entire time yeah but he looks so much better with the helmet on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. That
0: was one thing. I mean, I already knew this about the movie, and I think probably the most fascinating aspect of the this movie is just the special effects and the makeup work. Like the amount of fucking work these people did for this movie, it just blows my mind every time. But when Murphy takes his mask off and how they make it look real, like
1: it's kind of insane how well they do it. Yeah. I kept staring at the back of his head the whole yeah, time. me too. I was like, how did they do it? Because <laughs> it's one thing when you look at, uh, what is it? When you look at the, why am I forgetting? The ED-260, Ed. When you look at uh-huh. Ed and you see the Phil Tippett animation, you're like, okay, that looks cool, but you can tell just how animated that is or how stop motion that is versus everything else. Right. But Murphy's skull still to this day looks so realistic that I'm staring at it being like how how did they do that I, I as
0: I'm saying that out loud I wish I knew more about it it makes me wonder like if it is practically done how much of that is special effect or like not even really ha- I don't know I, I, I guess that's the kind of thing we should know before heading into this but still it's the, how real it looks in the moment you could just it's just mind blowing
1: yeah it's very impressive.
0: Um, oh, so yeah. I think I'm reading here that it's not his head. It's some. But it looks thing. so real. Again, that's a testament to
1: it. Yeah, it looks really. <laughs> I mean, they did a great job with the practical effects. I mean, even the violent effects. When people yeah. are getting shot up by uh, Ed or when Murphy's getting shot up, it just. The gore and yeah. the explosions <laughs> that happened, just all the practical aspects of this film are really impressive. And that was one of the things that just stood out to me on this rewatch is I miss this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been feeling that so much lately with newer movies, just especially I saw the Marvels over this last week mm-hmm. and it has some really cool visuals and CGI and, effects but at the same time I'm just sitting there going I wish there was more that was practical like, I find it I'm finding yes. that as I'm getting older as I'm like watching more and more new movies I'm finding myself not able to connect as much with things that are less practical yeah I I, I recently
0: watched a movie called Demons 2 I watched Demons Ones after it don't worry <laughs> um i had never seen it. it it was uh i didn't choose to watch demons do it kind of came up in this show we were watching it's like a double feature show and they show two movies and i i was absolutely blown away by the practical effects in the movie like there's demons there's crazy blood like it's all insane the way people die the way demons come to life like the the way they make people look like demons. I, I, I just thought it was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like it. And it just like, I had the same feeling as I was watching of like, gosh, like this is so moving to me. This is so I'm forming such a connection to this because like, I don't have this anymore. Like you never see anything like this. It's um to me, that's an important part of like your connection to a movie is when you see the people who made it, you know? Um, And you're you're totally right about RoboCop. It's just the coolest part of this movie is how in everybody seems for it. Like from the actors who are all, you know, like kind of hamming it up and having a fun time with it and all part of the satire and everything, but just how well it's done, (laughs) how much people cared to make things look real and make you part of this world. Like that's really important for my, when I'm watching a movie for me to feel connected to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, even just, uh, the guy that gets the toxic waste dumped on him, <laughs> yeah, and the effects of that it's such a thing that you could say, we don't need that, let's just not take the time to make him so gross and to have so many shots and then blow him up by hitting him with a car, yeah, and yet they do it, and it's wonderful it's eh, gosh I it, that was the feeling I had
0: while watching this movie, and there were so many parts, like even that part that you just mentioned down to any special effect that's done or just the moment where RoboCop's standing there in his shadows, like towering above the guys, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Like there's so many just moments in this movie. It's just filled with these moments where I'm like, man, this movie is so fucking cool. Like it's okay to make a cool movie and make it as cool as you possibly can. And like, that was just, again, a feeling I had about modern movies the whole time is like nothing's, Nothing tries to be cool anymore. Like everything, everybody's like trying to like placate and tiptoe and and cater to a mass audience. Where like Robocop, like that's this is what stands the test of time when you're just like committed to being a cool movie. Yeah, you <laughs> might enjoy Saltburn. That might be up your alley. <laughs> okay, I mean I like everybody in it, so I'll, I'll watch that movie. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I, it's one that's stayed with me ever since that first viewing and i like (laughs) i still remember the first time that i realized that it had to have been satire it was something because the times that i saw it prior to high school i just took it kind of straightforward as sure more of a a (laughs) b-tier action movie that's how the rest of the world looked at it yeah with some cool aspects (laughs) and i remember when i realized starship troopers was satire suddenly being like, oh, that means yeah. that it's RoboCop and Total Recall are both satire. I need to revisit these and really update how I'm looking at them. Yeah. And ever since, you know, late high school, early college, when that happened, I've had such respect for Ver- Verhoeven. Yeah.
0: It It's funny because at the time, Neither RoboCop or Total Recall. And I was even doing a little googling, Google searching um, for my Showgirls article. And I found some Reddit threads of people saying, like, people say RoboCop satire, like, just to make it sound... Basically, the, the the mindset is like, oh, if a cinephile, a cinephile is allowed to like RoboCop, if they just call it satire, you know, and intellectualize it. Like, there's still people kind of fighting against it. But, yeah, there was this whole... People didn't really see Robocop and Total Recall as satire, which is like crazy to me. And, um, until Starship Troopers, which was like, I guess, more overt about it, or like by the time, like, Verhoeven had done it this many times, like, people finally locked in, like, oh, this is a satire of totalitarianism. And, like, they look back and see, like, media, capitalism, and, it all just starts to make sense, I guess. But it's, but yeah, I, it, that, that, that's the way to watch this movie. Like once you kind of lock into that and the satire, it, it becomes
1: a whole different movie. Uh, Starship Troopers was also famously not understood for satire. Uh, yeah, there were totally. there were people who were upset that he made such a pro fascist movie. <laughs> I just feel like
0: the. This is just from my vantage point anyway, like, the reception of Starship Troopers as satire. I remember hearing about that before I heard about, like, RoboCop as satire, you know? And I didn't even really find many articles about Total Recall being satire,
1: even though that movie to me is clearly satire. I know. I mean, it's, it's weird because... You would expect Total Recall, RoboCop, the years that have passed leading up to Starship Troopers that people, I mean, we talked about it with Showgirls. Sure, That people would have understood with Showgirls a little bit more of the the tongue-in-cheek nature of some of the things, and they absolutely did not. And their reviews from when Starship Troopers came out of people taking it just as straightforward as possible. And it seemed like... It was just two years, like within a two-year time period. You had people being like, satire, you idiots. Satire, you idiots. And it's because, as you said, it's so much more overt that it's satire. And you should get it in RoboCop from the opening. I would say RoboCop's pretty overt about it. (laughs) Yeah, like all the uh, news, uh, TV news stuff, local news (laughs) stuff is so so overtly satire in the same way with Starship Troopers that you have the the little propaganda videos (laughs) that are so over the top. Yeah. Uh, But people just didn't appreciate it Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824, Terms and Conditions Apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. It's,
0: yeah, it, there is, that's one level of it, is that you see a movie like this, and as we talked about with Showgirls, it was kind of the case for a lot of his movies when he first came to Hollywood, that people, it's almost like this kind of movie isn't allowed to be respected, you know? Mm. And the second it starts getting that kind of respect from, like, a fringe audience, from a small audience, it seems like there's this population that likes to beat it down as much as they can and say, like, no, like, you're not allowed to like this. This isn't smart. Uh, Like, that's definitely one aspect of it. Um, But also, I, I think a bigger part of it is, and this is something I found when writing the Showgirls article and trying to define satire, is I kind of started to understand why someone wouldn't see Something like Robocop or show, or Showgirls as satire, because satire largely involves comedy. And if you have like a a narrow view of what comedy is and like how 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 comedy works in a satire, I think you could look at something like Robocop and maybe not see satire and just see social commentary. You know, something yeah. that's just exaggerated. But as I wrote about it, I kind of started realizing and thinking about just like famous satiric examples from novels to movies like it isn't necessarily it, you just have to expand your idea of comedy basically like going on to like exaggeration and irony and like anything that's just ridiculing with like a heightened sense you know like to me that starts to dip into the satire camp and that's why verhoven was just such a great fit for it I, I saw an argument that like oh like showgirls isn't satire it was written by joe esterhouse who didn't even write robocop until the recall. And it made me realize, like, how important Verhoeven is to the satire because the way he directs people, the way his movies move, like, they kind of lend their energy to satire. Like, it's so exaggerated, like, it's so ridiculous. Like, you don't, you're, you, almost like don't take anybody seriously because of the way they're acting, yet they're taking it very seriously. And these are very serious topics that we're all dealing with. Like, it's just so cool that he's able to, that Verhoeven was able to just unlock. I don't know he's got the satire key I guess <laughs> like even his <laughs> movies today kind of feel like that like Benedetta you could view it as a satire of religion or something because it's, like it,
1: it's just so ridiculous you know yeah I mean that tonal stuff really does make a difference because I mean you could play any script for comedy just by the tone of voice that somebody uses with something you could make a yeah. good fella's a lot more dramatic with the exact same script you could make it slapstick with the exact same script just oh, based on how the actors that. like imagine the dialogue in Home Alone but <laughs> given in like a dramatic way yeah right <laughs> I, all of that makes a huge difference and yeah Verhoeven I think has the the <sighs> ear and eye for that I just love it I mean
0: to me I, I guess we should kind of talk about our history of the movie i me personally like i didn't grow up watching this movie i didn't grow up watching the robocop cartoon i think the only cartoon i ever had that i actually did watch and we had the mr magoo vhs you remember that show yeah 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 wow just like would watch mr magoo god i was an old man at like age five yeah um (laughs) but um so i had no real history i don't I mean, I God, I'm so stupid. I always know I can look up when I first watch RoboCop. Um, I imagine I watched it before Showgirls. I would be nuts if I hadn't on that. Uh, yeah. August, yeah, it was. Oh, it was only a couple of months before Showgirls, so okay. Um, so August yeah, I watched 2022 or okay. it's 2012. Sorry. <laughs> nice. Um, and I've watched it, you know, here and there throughout. I I have a one of my best friends tony who listens to the show uh what's up tony he really like oh do you hear my daughter <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> she's having a good time <laughs>
0: yeah she's uh being potty trained apparently she likes it um oh i think uh her aunt's over here okay that makes sense um anyway um yeah tony really loves this movie so like i feel like it's Maybe we've watched it a couple times together, but it's always like RoboCop always seems like it's been in the air, I guess, <laughs> because he really likes it. Um, so I, I'm always just like kind of aware of this movie and always knew that it was satire and knew that it like deserved some respect. But I don't know if I always loved it as much as everyone else until the last couple viewings, especially... Maybe it was the 4K that kind of unlocked it for me. I think on some level, I always looked at the movie as like kind of dumb... <laughs> you know um in a not in a bad way just like it was satire in the most blockheaded way possible and <laughs> that there wasn't like a ton of depth to it because of that but i feel like that's just representative of of a more highbrow art housey travis bean <laughs> who used to watch movies and like wasn't allowed to like movies like that more um but i would say in the past like five years i've just become very attached to it and the 4k especially just revealing how beautiful its shots and how well it's put together and just how good it looks and how much work people put into it like it it manifests an energy to me like it's manifested an energy over time that's just it feels special like it it feels like a movie i don't get to watch very often and i should cherish it while i'm watching it that a movie is it it makes this movie seem smarter basically you know that like no it's not just a bunch of people who like did like put together a blockheaded movie like they they really put time and effort into this like they cared about the message and it's kind of uh softened my view of it and made me realize that it's it's as highbrow as it can possibly be really like it's it's as smart as it could possibly be because it's doing that like it doesn't take itself too seriously or anything it's kind of just committed to the message and doing it well and in that way it's it's really
1: smart yeah i that's what i I really appreciate not just that it has a message about you know where crime was at in the 80s because if you watch a lot of 80s movies even early 90s movies crime was certainly a consistent topic I mean even going back to late 70s when did Taxi Driver come out that Um, was 70 yeah because Taxi Driver is 76 yeah I mean New York was pretty bad for a while in terms of crime, but it was getting not great in a lot of places. So you have a lot of movies that were exploring uh the criminal aspect of things at that point, and doing so in really harsh ways, like I think mm-hmm. Taxi Driver and Robocop kind of do. And then you have things that are just a little more <laughs> dystopian, uh and kind of harmless in the sense of the warriors right that's i don't think of that as severe as taxi driver or robocop is right it's not as like dramatic yeah and not as like the public is in crisis more so that these gangs kind of exist even akira um in some ways is getting at this aspect of crime is kind of taking over cities are on the decline. So you see a lot of that as a, as a motif, a theme, just one of the zeitgeists of the seventies and eighties. Um, it could have just been another movie that did that, but then it also brings in the media and the media's role in the portrayal of that and the, yeah. the heightening of it, as well as the corporate aspects and the political aspects of it. And the, I think it was early to the game, in the way in which corporations were starting to influence local politics and mm. the impact that they were having on uh, city regulations and the flow of cities and the the way in which local communities were benefited or compromised. And the fact that it's not only commenting then on the police aspect in all of this and what was happening to them, but also on policing and government and corporations and media, all of that stuff is being talked about in this movie. But doing so in a way that feels coherent and consistent, (laughs) that's not easy to do.
0: And it makes it look very easy.
1: Yeah, it makes it look very easy, and it feels very streamlined and simple, but this is such a sharp and movie. The yeah. criticisms it's throwing out there, the people that it's kind of looking at and taking down, uh, uh really, like, I, I'm very <laughs> impressed by that, and it's one of those things, to be honest with you, there was a part of me that was coming into the episode today, still really liking the movie, but in some ways wanting to say like, it almost felt a little small to me at times. <laughs> but now that I'm talking about it, yeah. it's like, even though it's contained in some ways or small in some ways, like we don't get to see RoboCop do that much policing, right? Um, right. And you don't really have that much happening in the some of the action showdowns or bigger sequences. So there's part of me that's just like, it's just a little small, but it's bursting at the seams <sighs> because it is talking about so much. So there's part of me that wants it just to kind of thrust in one direction a little more strongly than it does or have one bigger element to it. But at the same time, it's covering so much ground and doing it so consistently and so well that it's hard to like complain at the end of the day. But yeah it, it's
0: you do kind of get into murky territory there because like if you want it to expand on any one thing like it sort of takes the movie in a different direction like it's kind of perfect how it is and very cohesive in the fact like as you said it doesn't jump too far into anything like it's it's discussing a number, to, number of topics that all are part of a bigger whole and all reflect the way society was back in 1987 like what America was looking at, and as far as crime in the city, like the way movies talked about crimes in cities, like it—it's touching on all of that stuff without becoming like too much of one. Th- like, it—it it just is representative of a time. Like, that's really difficult to do, and to like dedicate enough time to each thing. Like, but the the movie totally does it. Like, you're right. It could, and in that kind of movie, that kind of script could be edited poorly and feel choppy like jumping from the media and now jumping to crime like but it just all feels cohesive like everything's always constantly commenting on each other yeah it flows really well yeah Um, I think that's one of the big things I've learned about this movie over time is as I've watched just more movies from the 80s and and even the 70s like Taxi Driver just seeing how the world talked about crime in the cities and then more specifically in the 80s when it just the like of the time, it blew up to these big action movies, you know, where you got Arnold, you got Sylvester, you have all these people fighting crime in big ways. Like it became like dumb, kind of <laughs> like the way we talked about it. It had to have this machismo mentality. And I think RoboCop, again, it's it's kind of meta satire in that way that it, it, it's like the hero of the movie has like become a robot (laughs) like that's how (laughs) we can see the leading man of a movie like fixing crime like it becomes something god even me just saying that out loud like that feels really smart like that feels like a such a step further than movies were going about this topic it it's just uh it's just so refreshing in that way to experience a new kind of commentary on you know something that's been talked about a million times up
1: to that point you're now getting the the gears turning in my brain of the fact yeah, that good robot yeah like you have these executives who are trying to craft the perfect action star essentially yeah and they make him like blocky and strong but faceless <laughs> yeah and oh wow, yeah he's just so robotic but they're sending him out there to make them a ton of money right I don't know if like a Hollywood commentary is intentional there, but being able to read it as a little bit of a Hollywood commentary does seem. (laughs) I feel like it's definitely there because, you know,
0: Murphy talks about his kid liking this, this character who like flips his Uh, gun a certain way and he literally becomes this guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He starts doing it himself. And then that's part of the, it's, That dynamic in and of itself is fascinating because it's a human, he, hmm, I'm working through it as I'm trying to talk about it. It's something that he starts doing that's more him. Even though he got it from a TV show, you're not seeing every cop do it. It's not something that the company made him start doing. It's this aspect of his humanity that's still coming through but it's something he took from a TV show. Huh?
0: Yeah. It, you know, that it, as we're saying, like, it's not like the movie is too light in any one area. And the, the message isn't clear. Like the messages are all commenting on each other. And like everything you just said traces back to Murphy's whole journey of like discovering himself and defining who he is. And like, what is a name? Like, who are you? How do you define yourself and see yourself? That's such a huge part of his character as he's kind of taken over by this corporation and turned into a robot who does their bidding. You know, his whole journey is being his own person and like, no, like overriding the system and and defeating the evil guy. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's all working together so well.
1: Yeah. Oh man. That makes me like it (laughs) even more that that's like an aspect that you can read from it that there yeah. is that commentary i don't think verhoven had done much this might have been his first kind of hollywood film right i believe i believe so he did flesh and
0: blood before this and that has bigger actors in it but i feel like that was that was
1: done in europe yeah it has like that vibe to it and still yeah. even then the budget's 6.5 million for flesh and blood to, yeah oh wow Robocop was a, a pretty big step up with like $13.7 million. Okay. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. So it's like you're coming into a system and you're just immediately commenting on America and American culture <laughs> and maybe to some degree like American films. Yeah. And it's awesome. That's, uh, and then Total Recall, thing. especially. Yeah. And then he does Total Recall and he works with Arnold. Who's just the biggest action star in the world at that point, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Was Arnold even the biggest action star in the world at the 1990?
0: Well, Steven Seagal did exist. Steven Seagal did exist. (laughs) I would think, yeah, 1990 definitely is.
1: Like, we're in a good Arnold era at that point. I mean, he had done Terminator, but not Terminator 2.
0: That's around the
1: corner, though. Yeah, he had done Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, Terminator, and then Red Sonia, Commando, Predator, yeah. Running Man, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so Arnold had already established himself as this mega mega name when it came to action movies. So Verhoven goes from Robocop, which is this kind of generic Arnold like Figure to then Total Recall, where he actually gets to work with Arnold and spoof a lot of that stuff even more. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then
0: I, I feel like just as time went on, like we said, the satire in both Robocop and Total Recall, like it's almost so blunt that you can't believe anybody would miss it. Which it does make me realize that it became a little more refined in something like Showgirls, where to me. The satire is like almost meta satire, like it's satirizing the way we look at these women on stage and the story, like how they came to be in this position and all of the shitty people that put them there, and like how it how that affects our relationship with this act and like what we view as eroticism. Like it's so cool. It's how it's satiric in that way. Um, But you know, the more we talk about Rogue I'm kind of realizing like it is. Kind of meta satire too, (laughs) like the satire might feel obvious and blunt, but there's actually a lot of depth to it. And there's, I don't know, it's just it's all about the idea and like the little seeds you plant. You know, like the the something as small as like talking about his son loving this guy and the way he flips his gun, like that unlocks like so much. (laughs) It's just I love
1: this movie for having that kind of attention to detail. Yeah, I we had uh somebody left a comment on our article about the killer asking how we're able to make connections between things or Mm -hmm. what do we look for in being able to analyze a movie and it's just something like that you look at that scene and it's something that can feel very superficial like do they need to include this does he have to have a reason for why he twirls his gun and you can make the, the story elements of, okay, it connects him to his son and you want a little bit of that family element, especially because it is so thin in the movie and we never really see the family. So giving mm. one little identifiable moment like that or one kind of personal connection like that adds to it. But also it could have been anything. The fact that they ground it in a TV show causes you to ask, okay, is media a part of this? Is the influence of media a part of this? And when you ask that, you start looking for other ways in which media is used. And yeah, the local TV news (laughs) is a big part of it. So you're already starting to see two instances of media having an impact on people with the local news having an impact on more of the, the macro Where the TV show Influencing the Sun, which influences Murphy, has this more personal impact on the micro level. But uh, you can start to form the argument about the influence of TV and movies and the connection to movies through that uh, just because of that inroad. And maybe you'll go down some paths and be like, well, you know, actually, it's not that strong or it doesn't develop. But the fact that it is this action figure (laughs) character that comes through and knowing what we know of Verhoeven's later movies, you then have to ask the question, is this now a satire of the action genre? The same way that Total Recall is, the same way that Showgirls ends up being this underdog coming of age, like, uh, Hollywood dream satire, or... The way in which Starship Troopers satirizes military and propaganda and nationalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like my response to a lot of that, like
0: if someone wanted to make the argument that the whole Hollywood angle, uh how we like create these superheroes, how we create these heroes isn't strong enough just based on the fact that like, it's not talked about in the movie that much. Like my response is just like it doesn't matter how much it's talked about, it doesn't matter how much information we get about it. It's kind of just dependent on the movie's attitude and the way they discuss the topic. And that's what's so awesome about Paul Verhoeven is like, I just feel like the one scene where you hear Murphy talk about the guy flipping his gun and then just seeing the guy flip his gun. Like the way this that scene is shot and that you see his son and you see the emotional connection and how badass they make the gun flip book. Like to me, that's, that's kind of all the information you need. <laughs> like you get it because the movie did it so well and earnestly. And that's just like, that's all of Verhoeven's movies to me. Like they just feel so earnest and realized and genuine Um, all the way from like emotional moments that feel real to Intender to just like mocking moments that are clearly satire and defining like what's not good. It's man, I miss that. I wish
1: people (laughs) who can do that. (laughs) You know, one thing that uh, jumped out to me, because we had done Showgirls just before this, and Showgirls is a little further in his filmography, right? It's not like he was a new filmmaker with RoboCop. I mean, he had done... uh, I mean, he had a bunch of short films, some documentaries, but... He did some big movies overseas. Yeah, he had done one, two, three, four, five, a television movie, if we want to count that, six... Seven to eight films before RoboCop. Yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't like new to this. He was also forty fifty years old. Yeah, when crazy. he did RoboCop How old he is now. Yeah, so it's again not like oh wait fifty. Yeah, he was born in thirty eight. Jeez, go <laughs> Verhoeven. Insane. Yeah, um, so it's not like he was uh new to the game, but. I feel like just between Showgirls and RoboCop, which is still eight years, Showgirls is much more impressive to me visually. Right. And just everything that's happening in the movie, it feels There's definitely like more could, going on. Yeah. It seems like you could tell Verhoeven had leveled up or gained in confidence in how to work within the Hollywood system uh, or make, these kinds of movies for American audiences. I think that was one of the things that jumped out to me. And maybe that was the vibe I was getting from it that I had mentioned earlier. That it feels safe in a way that Showgirls didn't. Right. I know. And you mean. maybe maybe that's what makes it more approachable or more beloved than Showgirls is that it's less audacious. Um and it does have some great shots and great moments. It's just it didn't have that kind of uh, live wire charge to me that Showgirls had.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, um, <laughs> excuse the pun, it feels a little more like robotic in the way it's put together, the way it kind of just goes from thing to thing, where Showgirls, it's, I guess Showgirls it's just more focused on like a single thing, you know, that's probably more of what it is. So Showgirls is a little more succinct, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word in that way that, what it's exploring and like how it affects like the single character it's, it, it does have a broader commentary, but it doesn't make that broader commentary. Like so obvious, like Robocop does with like all of the media and stuff and the way it, it keeps pulling you in different directions with multiple characters. Like you're always with Nomi. So like you're kind of centered on one
1: I, part of the story. I mean, purely just visually. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. A shot by shot level. Sure, to where yeah. like, you think even of the opening when she gets in the car with, is it Jeff? Jim? It's Jeff. Uh, it's Jeff? Yep. Okay, when she gets in the car with Jeff and the shot of them tearing down the highway, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, it's just a car driving on the highway. They had to shut down a whole stretch of road <laughs> in order to film that and get all the other cars on the road when they're on the Vegas Strip. There's so much that's going on and maybe that's a difference in budget as well as showgirls had a 40 to 45 million dollar budget compared to the 13 for robocop but crazy so maybe it's just more of him working within the budget he had at the time uh as well but i did just feel like a lot more uh impressed by the dynamics of his shots and the scene by scene kind of like visuals and how much was going on in showgirls compared to RoboCop.
0: Yeah. I th- I feel like maybe what I was trying, ultimately trying to get to is because showgirls is the movie. It is like, it lends itself better to that kind of aesthetic and really capturing the environment around them. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's in Las Vegas and like, there's so much going on. Um, but there's something Kind of contained and gritty in that way about Robocop, and that it is kind of focused on just like the television and the media, and the the dark shadows of the city, and kind of the grime and the uh, the the toughness of the PlayStation. Like there's just something about it that's a little more contained and lends itself to a more stoic nature, um, which I think. Combined with the commentary and the way it's exploring so many topics, I could see how it just wouldn't be extra- some ex- as extravagant as something like Showgirls.
1: Yeah, I I feel like the only time it kind of starts to reach that level of extravagance is in the final chase sequence mm-hmm. or the final yeah. like showdown <laughs> at the uh, factory. Yeah, and some of the shots of them driving and then the whole crane operation and dumping the stuff on. <laughs> on RoboCop like you're starting to get some of that sense of like scope and scale that you get in Showgirls.
0: Damn, 13 million. Even thinking about that scene alone or like the shootout scene um where RoboCop captures Clarence like that all feels so big. I'm surprised it was only 13 million.
1: I yeah, know. They did Crazy. a lot.
0: Yeah, man, workmanship. Just like working their asses off
1: in this movie. I love it. <laughs> Um, I don't know anything else jump out to you um
0: uh one little piece of trivia that I didn't have time I was gonna watch the the director's commentary for this movie um I've always been interested in it. I thought it was the perfect time I just didn't have time to do it but my friend Tony did watch it and let me know that the guy who is assaulting the woman in the scene where RoboCop shadow you know goes on the wall oh yeah yeah um one of those guys is Andrew Carver from Showgirls. Oh. <laughs> Which is like, it's funny to me that this guy just like, he just plays scumbags in Hoven's movies. And I, I like that he gets his dick shot off. Like it's almost like payback for what he did to Molly
1: and <laughs> Showgirls. Yeah, take that, Andrew Carver. <laughs> um, I do think that's the best sh- shot of the movie, no pun it's intended. so cool. Uh, when the RoboCop shadows on the wall like that. It's. I took a picture of my TV, and posted it to Twitter because I was just, yeah. I was just so amazed by that shot. Um,
0: Incredible yeah. shot,
1: yeah, love it. And then uh, I did like the the cast as well. Um, jumping, I like Nancy Allen, love her, is always great. Uh, Brian De Palma, regular, love it yeah she's the one in blowout, so she's in blowout, to... but she's she's
0: especially awesome in dress to kill I think
1: I've never seen dress to kill
0: oh man it's it's pretty good it's really it's really goofy okay I'll have to give it a shot, but like serious like it's you know it's about a guy killing people <laughs> It's goofy yeah, something
1: it... like that could be yeah um but uh, I kind of feel like uh Kurtwood Smith steals the movie in some ways <laughs> he's awesome he's so awesome he's so good especially like him and Miguel Ferrer as Bob Morton just Man. play such great scumbags
0: yeah I uh I already love both of those guys from tv shows I grew up liking like a that 70s show like obviously Kurt Woodsmith is incredible as red like he's probably the funniest. him and Kitty are probably the funniest parts of the show honestly um but then Miguel Ferrer, who, um, <laughs> who, God, I'm blinking on his name, but he's so amazing in Twin Peaks. Uh, I just, like, I forever have a soft spot for him just because of the role he plays in Twin Peaks and, like, the asshole he plays. He's really good at playing an asshole, but his character like, gets redemption and, like, eventually sides of Cooper. Like, man, I just, he handled that character so well, I just will always love him.
1: Nice. I remember him from Tales from the Crypt. I don't, but. <laughs> Tales from the Crypt? Yeah, I that was uh. Did you ever used to watch that?
0: I actually did. Yeah, I guess he would just would have been in one of the the short movies
1: or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I I always forget I knew Paul McCrane from (laughs) ER. I used to watch a lot of ER as a kid. My mom would watch it all the time, so I'd catch it. Um, I still remember being all sad when they killed off George Clooney, and then. I can't imagine any child being sad about that but that's a but here you go. Yeah, he was great. I was just like, no, he died saving someone. He <laughs> went out as a hero. Uh but Paul McCrane uh who plays a meal in this, the guy that robs the gas station and gets the toxic waste dumped on him. Uh he was just always really good and intense in ER. So, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's such a, such a cool cast in this movie. Yeah. I mean,
0: oh, and one other Twin Peaks alum, Ray Wise, like, all of the, like, douchebag sidekicks of Kurtwood Smith, like. Oh, yeah. They're all great. Yeah. Love it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, is that it? We got to rank it, right? We got to rank it, which I did not do yet. Um, I have already ranked it um because i watched it since okay so these lists for the uninitiated um we rank every movie we've watched since i started my list at the beginning of 2022 chris started in july of 2022 so my list has a lot more um i think my list right now I, i always i'd never update it which is so annoying (laughs) <laughs> this is a very simple thing to do. How many more movies have I watched since I last updated it? Eh, I haven't added that many. So it's like up to four hundred like eighty-five movies or something like that. Whew. Um and I already had Robocop ranked, and I feel like the, the place I have for it is perfect. I don't need to change it. Um so out of four hundred and eighty something movies, I'm at number fifty one. That's really high for you. Yeah. Uh the sandwich includes Knock at the Cabin on Top, then Bad Boys Two. Uh, then RoboCop, then Billy Madison, then The Miracle Worker, which is a drama about Helen Keller. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, what, what category does this fall in? This is my second highest category. So the, the top category is like, it's very exclusive territory. Like, these are the numero uno movies. Basically, I would say like are my absolute favorites. And then RoboCop's in the next one in the transcendent category where I'm like... You know, there are movies that are, like, really great and doing everything I love, and, like, it's elevated above what I normally watch, and then there's Transcendent, or something like... It goes a step beyond that. It it achieves something just ethereal uh, beyond what I would ever expect a movie to
1: do. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to have to revisit this. My initial inclination, I have it in the third category i gotta sit with it and see if i'm gonna bump it up or not i uh i recently revamped the list to have like my favorites as the top tier so that's essentially like the unique tier which you have mm-hmm. yeah uh, just it kind of transcends quality or like rating and yeah. it's just like this is some of my favorite things um and then it's wow and impressive and right now i have robocop at the top of impressive nice um wow's a pretty small list but (laughs) i think the thing that's jumping out to me about it is they all seem to be films that have like a little bit more scope going on Mm -hmm. um like all quiet on the western front being kind of as big as it is anatomy of a fall being it's an intimate movie but it's also very Uh, dense in that way yeah. Um, where RoboCop's just a little lighter so Mm -hmm. it's coming in at 23 Uh, and my list at this point is up to 169 movies nice so 23 and the sandwich uh, Under the Skin, Anatomy of a Fall, then RoboCop then Showgirls and Barbie oh wow what about Showgirls yeah, which I'm still feeling that out. Okay. I mean, RoboCop's in your DNA. Yeah, it's one of those, just it has that nostalgia to it.
0: Yeah. Man. I'm trying to think of like how I would rank for Hovind's movies. It would definitely be Showgirls, then probably Total Recall. And then I I guess it would be a close race between Basic Instinct and RoboCop. I, I haven't seen Surf Troopers in a number of years. I... In my memory, I don't love it as much as everyone else, but I feel like if I watch it again, I'll probably love it.
1: Okay. So you have Robocop. You said it's your number four of Verhoeven?
0: I think, yeah, it would be number. It would be number. It probably would be number three. As much as I love Basic, basic Instinct and Neo Noir and all that, I probably would still put Robocop above it.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm excited to get there and see where i eventually i'm gonna come back to this
0: uh oh wait i forgot about hollow man
1: that's number one <laughs> wait you have no. hollow man above showgirls no i don't oh oh okay <laughs> I, I feel like miss. even i can't
0: defend hollow man wow
1: that's impressive
0: yeah but i maybe i need to watch it again i, I just remember it like not really working no But uh, (laughs) I don't know if that was was the result of, like, the studio system. I don't know what the story is behind that
1: movie. Only one way to find out, Travis.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not picking it for the next movie, so too bad.
1: Yeah, what's your pick? I I felt
0: the need to go in a different direction. Um, Like, I feel like the last few movies we've talked about have been, like, the discussion about them has involved, like, looking outside the movie a little bit and like what a movie is commenting on and like how it's being meta and all that. And I kind of wanted something a little simpler, um, just in the sense of like, to me, this movie just has more of a narrative and characters and like, you're kind of just exploring how they handle those people. Um, And I have a 4k copy of this movie, which I bought because my wife grew up loving this movie and I haven't seen it in a really long time. And I don't remember liking it as much as apparently I'm supposed to, um, so I am choosing the Princess Bride as our next movie.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, cool. Hoping to love it. Yeah, I, it's uh interesting to me that you don't. <laughs> I don't know. It just like
0: it it I feel like it's the kind of movie that you almost have to watch when you were a kid or something. Like Like, I just think about my wife and how she grew up watching it with her family and like they know it really well. It's always struck me as that kind of movie that like I just missed it and I'm not part of that crowd. But I'm hoping 4K viewing will bring me there. Yeah, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. But, um, all right, we're at the end. Now, a little controversy about the last episode. Chris is adamant that I am sabotaging this show. And it's hard to argue against that because I listened back to the episode, and in my mind, I'm saying, We go lights, camera, see ya. When I say see ya, in my mind, I'm saying it before you. I hear this happening, but then I listen back and you're saying it before me. So yeah. either A, here, here are the options here. A, some <laughs> weird glitch is happening could be a regular glitch, could be some sort of like supernatural glitch. I don't know. Something is preventing us <laughs> from doing this. Um or B, I and I like this option a lot more. You're right. I am sabotaging the show. Um and I'm just doing a really good job of like masking it and saying like I don't know what's going on, you know. Like the m- the more I lean into that character, the more kind of like villainous I become. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm just like drifting into whatever character this is. So basically, we're going down one of those two roads.
1: Oh, good. That that alleviates all of my fears.
0: <laughs> but I don't know what's going on. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best here. Okay.
1: Okay. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, but I could be lying there. I know.
1: <laughs> you
0: knave. And the fact that I'm admitting I'm lying, like, like, oh, that's too obvious. He would never admit he's lying. But like, that's what I would want you to think. I know it makes you such a dick jones Ah oh, man I don't know I did form a connection with him in this movie <laughs> Alright Alright here we go ready Yeah all right. Lights Camera See, see ya, ya. God. The, Okay in your mind what happened there <laughs> <laughs> You said it before <laughs> me Yes oh, Very clearly all right, all right. And obviously We're gonna find out